0: Well, I never thought it would come to this that I'm the veteran speaker on the, on the night, at least not this soon. John chapter three. Just going to read one verse. But don't close your Bibles because we're going to read another one later. John chapter three, and verse thirty-six. John 3.36. Don't close your Bibles, we're going to read another verse, but we'll start here. <clears throat> he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's the simple message we've been hearing. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You must have heard this verse before if you've been in gospel meetings. If you never have, maybe it's worrying you a bit, but you notice that in this verse we have Two options, really, or two different camps, two different sets, two different groups of people. He that believeth on the Son, and the result hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son, and the result shall not see life. For the wrath of God abideth on him. You know, Americans and Canadians, I guess, yeah, we, we like choice. We really, we fought for choice, uh, freedom of choice. We like our freedoms. We like the ability to have options, uh, we, we look at other nations where there's restriction on freedom and choice and we appreciate that we live under freedom and choice you know no one ever wants to make choices you go out to dinner with someone and say where do you want to go I don't know where do you want to go well, what do you want to see well, what do you want to do I don't know I have no, I, we never want to make choices we love having choices but we never actually want to make choices You know, it's interesting, when you come to the Gospel, in many times, many cases, it's the same way. Because we can look at a verse like this, and perhaps you're wondering what I'm about to ask you, but, you know, in this verse we we notice there are two separate groups. And really, I'd like you to think for a minute, in which group are you? The kids sing a Sunday school song. One door and only one, but yet its sides are two. On which side are you? On which side of the verse are you? Which group? He that believeth on the Son... Or he that believeth not the Son. And my father, you know, he was, when he was younger, he told me that he, told, he said that he used to tell people he was Italian-American because he was born on the border of Italy and America. And I don't know where he got his geography. But hey, some of us like to, to bridge the gap. So we can look at a verse like this and say, well, yeah, I, I don't know if I would be counted the ones that believe, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't not believe. No, I, I'm not an unbeliever. I, I, I'm just not really sure. I just don't really know where I stand. I, I'm in the middle ground. But, you know, the nice thing about Scripture is that there are black and whites. There there, there is clarity when it comes to eternity. That's what God wants you to know. There's clarity when it comes to eternity. And and ultimately, you need to see yourself in one of these two camps. The, The simple thing to understand, though, is that if you're not in the first, you're most definitely in the second. You don't have to choose to be in the second. If you're not in the first... You're most definitely in the second. You can read earlier in John chapter 3, where it says, He that believeth not is condemned already, and the wrath of God abideth upon him. You know why? It's because without your choice and without your doing, you were born into this world contaminated with sin. You see, so you don't need to make a choice to disbelieve necessarily, because the Bible tells us we're already. We're already infected and contaminated with the very thing that eliminates us from heaven. It is sin. You've already heard about that in the testimonies that we've heard. Even reading those verses that while we were yet sinners it was Christ that died for us. Now, if we were to ask the Sunday School kids, you know, are you a sinner? I'm sure everyone would know the, the right answer. You know, you've listened to gospel meetings before. It's easy to know the right answer to the question, but can you honestly answer it? within yourself I know I am a sinner but but I don't like to say that because it makes me nervous of what I deserve I spoke to a man this week his name was Jesse and he came out to some gospel meetings and he was pierced head to toe and tattooed up and down and he was just one of those characters that you look at and you just go whoa Wow, like, I didn't even know you could put that many piercings into your body. But you know, he was a great guy. He was my age, 28 years old, and he was a dad of two little girls. And he was so compassionate and caring for these girls. He brought up the children's meeting, and he was a really, really nice guy. Maybe the outward appearance a little bit uh, unorthodox, but a real tender heart and a really great guy. Rough past, but really wanted to get his kids to hear the message of the gospel. He wasn't saved. And I asked him, I said, hey, what do you think about heaven and hell and eternity? He goes, well, I believe in heaven and hell. I said, well, if if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Ooh, he says, I I don't know if i really answer that. I don't think I know yet. I said, well, you know, the Bible tells us God wants to give us heaven. God wants, God wants men to be saved. God wants you in heaven. But the Bible also tells us that our sins are punishable and deserve hell. In fact, that's what this verse says. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Because of sin. And the wrath of God will abide upon him because of sin. Jesse said to me, he says, Well, I can tell you this, I, I, I don't think I'm going to heaven, but I'm, I'm not really sure where I'm going. So you know what that means? That means you, like every one of us, we know we're not good enough for heaven. But we just don't want to say the truth. And when it comes to the reality of the gospel, we have to be honest before God if we're ever going to receive God's gift. It's just like the heart of every one of us. We know the answers, but we don't actually want to believe it. I can tell someone I'm a sinner, but deep down inside, I probably don't really believe it. And I don't want to say what the reality is, that the wrath of God is going to abide on me. I'm going to have to meet God and face God for my sins. The hardest part about this verse is understanding what the wrath of God really is and truly believing it. You know, sometimes people don't want to believe in the Lord Jesus for salvation. Sometimes we find it difficult to actually believe on Christ and put our trust in Christ. But you know what? It's equally difficult and it's equally uh, obstructive to actually believe that God's going to punish sin. I can tell you with absolute sincerity, He will. God's not a God that lies. And just as difficult as it may be to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, you might equally have difficulty actually believing that the wrath of God is going to abide on you. If you're not saved It's a dangerous thing It's a frightening thing I tried to think even driving down here What were the scariest moments of my life Thinking about the word wrath When did I really fear wrath even outside of a, of a, of a salvation sense. But, but really just thinking about the wrath of my parents. What was the most fearful moment? I really couldn't place it. And uh, I, I thought of a lot of bad things that I had done. I guess the most fear that I ever had I could, I could think of was when I got my first car accident. It wasn't really my fault. And it wasn't my parents' car. It was my car. And I just remember, and it wasn't that bad of damage. And I ended up repairing it. All things worked out well. I just remember when it first happened, I was probably 18 years old, and I, I, I didn't know what to do. My heart sunk. And I just thought, oh, my father is going to be so mad. And it was more the fear of the I told you so lecture that was going to come. It was just, oh, I don't know what he's going to say. I didn't even want to call him. I thought, I'll just push this car into a ditch and walk home. Like, I didn't even want to call. And I I couldn't think of anything else that was so fearful. Maybe you can think of something in your life that you just feared the wrath that was to come. Maybe a spanking or a punishment that was coming from a parent on their way home when you know you had done something wrong. There's fear that we have when we know judgment is coming, you know, we can come to something like this, and all of a sudden lose sight, because it's out of sight, out of mind. Well, we know the answers. Maybe you believe the Bible is true, but you don't really see yourself in it. You don't really believe it. You can say the right answers. You can know the right answers, but you don't really believe this, that he that hath not the Son hath not life. But God has to punish sin. And He will punish sin. And sometimes the hardest thing to do is seeing ourselves in what the Bible says. That's why Romans 5 is such a beautiful passage. Because it says, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are the very ones that that Paul is speaking about, the ungodly. And it's so difficult to really take that and place it upon ourselves and honestly come before God in our sin. My father proposed to my mother, I'm using parent stories here tonight, they're not here so I can embarrass them a bit. My father proposed to my mother in New York City, Times Square. uh, It was 1980, I think it was, or 79 or 80. And he rented a billboard in Times Square to propose to her. Okay? He was very romantic. And uh, if you've heard the story before, he's probably told you. Otherwise, you can tease him about it later. Uh, He proposed to her in Times Square, rented a billboard, but at the time, it was a little pricey, so he could only rent it for like 30 seconds. So he rented this actual Times Square New York City billboard, electronic billboard. And he had it written, and she was a language major, so he had it written in Italian, French, and Spanish. And it was like, you know, I love you in Italian, and you know, I want to be forever in French, and Will you marry me Alan in Spanish or whatever it was? So I said, you know, Dear Yolanda and then the phrases and then Marry Me Alan at the end, in English I think. And so he had to time it just right to get her there. And have her turn around and look at the sign. He had 30 seconds or else all the money was blown, and so was the wedding. So he uh, got her there to New York City. My mother's very innocent, angelic like, and she's just, you know, enjoying her day in New York. Never really got a chance to get out much as a kid. And going around New York City, my father's just waiting, and he's just pacing in the right direction, you know, making sure he's looking at the sign, hoping for the moment. And he sees the thing come on, timing is right. He's like, you don't have to look at that, turn around. And she looks, she reads it, she goes, hey, look at no way! Someone named Alan is proposing to someone named Yolanda. Right? That's our niece. I can't believe it! What a coincidence! <laughs> and he's like, "Well, ta-da! You know, hello, this is us." <laughs> uh, it all worked out because I'm here. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, and I'm not poking fun at my mother's innocence or naivete—I guess they call it—but you know, sometimes we're the same way. Yeah, Christ died for the ungodly. We know that. Christ died for sinners. Yes, yes. Those that don't believe, the wrath of God abideth on him. Yeah, we all know the answers. But can you see yourself in it? Or are you just looking, saying, like, yeah, that's somebody else? Yeah, that's that's interesting. (laughs) It's just, yeah, yeah, I know I've sinned, but I'm not a sinner. I'm not that sinner. I'm not this one. No, you know, the Bible says, until you realize exactly what you are, God can't do anything for you. Until we come honestly before God, God God can't save. It's not that God doesn't want to save. It's not that He's lacking in ability. That's what Isaiah says. It's not that God's ear is deaf. It's not that God's hands are short. God can save. He's able, He's ready. He's provided everything. But it's our sins that have caused the division. It's our sins that have put up the barrier. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not shall not see life. He's behind that barrier. And the wrath of God abideth on him. Think of the greatest fear that you've ever had of wrath here on earth. And I can't begin to describe what the wrath of God is really like. That's why a Gospel meeting, we've already heard about it, it's really the mercy of God that we experience. The very mercy of God that He wants to show to you. Gavin said it exactly the way I was going to say it. God's mercy that He's holding back the waves of judgment that are due to you and I. He's holding back justice to allow mercy. That's what mercy really is. The holding back of what's due to me. And that's what God is doing. Because God wants you to be saved. And I'm thankful, we can look even through scripture as men would record, what a merciful God. What a God of mercy that we have. One who on his own holds back the judgment that is very well due to every single one of us because of sin. He that believeth not the Son, the wrath of God abideth on him. I tried to hold back a path train door once for someone and I, I came down the stairs of the path train. My biggest pet peeve is missing the train by a minute and I just like, could have sprinted a little faster. And so I was coming down the path train elevator with friends of mine and I said, uh, I said listen, we don't want to miss this train by a minute. I hate when I miss it by a minute and you've got to wait for 30. I said, so let's, just, let's hustle through the turnstile and let's just, let's just run the last 20 yards of the train. So I was running and a couple of the boys were running with me and uh, friends of ours were from Canada. They, they didn't, I guess, get the message to run. And so I'm coming down the stairs and you here, ding! And uh, I'm like, oh, yes we just made it. Perfect! I'm glad I ran! So I been running, and I, I thought they were right behind me, so I got in the back, middle of the doors, and the doors were hitting me in the back, and I'm like, where did they go? They were right with me! And, and they, they weren't running, and they went down the wrong pathway, and whatever the case may be, and the lady yelled, she's like, please get out of the way of the doors! And I, the doors were hitting, I'm holding the doors back, hoping that they could get in, and they disappeared. And maybe they didn't really believe it maybe they just thought I was just, oh that's Josh he's so funny just running to the train <laughs> it's, not, it's not really getting close and I had to actually make a decision I ended up getting on the train leaving them on the platform <laughs> well I had some on the train and some not I had to make the decision you know that's exactly what the thought was Though here I'm holding the train back I, you know getting bumped and getting yelled at and I'm waiting and waiting and you know what eventually the doors are going to close God's holding back his wrath for those to be saved he's holding it back and waiting and waiting but eventually the doors are going to close Heaven will be closed, and the wrath of God abideth on him. Stepping out into eternity with your sin, and without the Son. And the wrath of God abideth on him. you really believe that? you really believe what the Bible says? We just know the answers. The wrath of God that abideth on him. I want to just turn to one more verse, though. Let's turn back two chapters to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 17. And it says, For the law was given by Moses. You know what the law brings? Judgment. Wrath. The law actually brings condemnation because by the law we know what sin is. And because of sin, God's wrath is executed. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, Josh, you just spent time talking about mercy. That's right. That's what mercy is. Mercy is God holding back all that's due to me. And yeah, we play a game called mercy, where you try to twist somebody's knuckles until they cry. I always thought mercy was what they scream. They scream mercy. No, mercy is the person who lets go and stops squeezing their knuckles. That's the mercy. I'm going to hold back the extra attention of wrath that I'm putting on your hand. That's what God's doing. He's holding back what's due to us. And because of the law, we have a knowledge of sin. That's what it says. The law comes by Moses. And because of sin, God must punish. God must judge. God doesn't want to judge any person. Let me be very clear that what we heard tonight about a God of love is absolutely true. It's a God of great love. It's a God God of mercy as He holds back what must come for sin. By the law there is the knowledge of sin. By our failure to to adhere to that law, we're all deserving of that punishment. But God doesn't want to punish you and I. God must punish sin, but does not want to punish any sinner. You know what the beautiful thing about that verse is? As grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And just as we were talking, and Gavin illustrated beautifully, as God held back in mercy the judgment that was due to me, He issues grace. That's actually what we see in John 3 and 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You know what the truth is? The truth came by Jesus Christ because by Him we know what perfect obedience is. We've seen truth in obedience to God him we realize the very truth that sin must be punished and we see it at the cross of Calvary God's absolute wrath punishing sin not his sin but my sin you see truth came by Jesus Christ because we saw the truth of what God said the truth fulfilled of what God said to Adam in the very beginning that sin would be punished and that God's law could be kept And the very one who kept his law would take the punishment for sin. That's why God would say, that's why Scripture would say, He was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. And so truth came by Jesus Christ, but so did grace. And that's right here in this verse. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. The wrath of God will abide on him, that's truth. But he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's the grace of God. And for one more meeting tonight you have grace extended to you while mercy holds back the judgment. And God is trying to get your attention because He does not want to punish you. He's already punished His Son. God's full weight of wrath has come out upon Christ at the cross for your sin and my sin. And God does not want to punish you. That's why grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. God wants to extend to you the greatest gift of all free gift of salvation, that you can have everlasting life if you believe on His Son. You take the Son, you take the punishment that He bore, you take that work and that payment for sin, and you'll have everlasting life. Otherwise, you'll deal with the truth of God's wrath. The truth of what sin will do, or what is coming for sin, the wrath of God abideth on Him. A hymn writer put it well, and wrote, Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. The sinless Savior died. My sinful soul is counted free. That's God's grace. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's God's grace. He's holding back the wrath, He's extending grace. You know what you get to do? You get to decide what you think about this verse. Now there's no activity on your part that is needed. Christ has finished the work. We've already heard that from Caleb. There's nothing to do. There's no, there's no work that you can ever do to add to it or to please God. The work has already been done. But your consideration of this verse is necessary because you are in one or two parts of the, One or the other part of this verse. Are you with those that believe on the Son and have everlasting life? Have you trusted Christ and can say for sure not just the right answers, but that your life is staked on this truth That Christ has died for sins, or are you still in sin and are ready to face the wrath of God? We hope that you would take the very grace of God that He's offering, the very blessing in grace, and just believe what God says for eternal life. I was swimming with a few boys and kids this weekend, and some were uh, some parents of children meetings came out to the cottage that we were staying at, and uh, it was interesting because uh, their kids didn't know how to swim, so they put life jackets on the kids. And uh, the kids still didn't want to go in the water. They were afraid to go in the water. When the dad said to the boy, he says, Listen, Tyler, you have the life jacket on. You can't drown the life jacket. And the kid was absolutely in terror fright to go into the water. And finally, he went into the water, and carefully, and in tears nearly, he went into the water and realized, uh, That's true, okay, the life jacket does hold me up don't touch me, don't push, don't don't swim near me, you know, it's very careful. But but it it took a while on the boat for him not only to to trust the life jacket, but actually just to trust what his father was saying. Because not only did he have no faith in the actual device that would save him, but he had no faith in his father that told him the device would save him. And you know what, when it comes to the word of God, yes, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Christ has paid the price for sin. Trust that work. But you know what we really do trust? It's not even trusting the work of Christ. It's trusting this book. It's trusting what the God the Father has said about His work. And so to walk away from this message and believe not what you're saying is, no, no, God's wrong. God's wrong. Christ's work isn't enough. The wrath of God abide upon Him. To trust Christ for salvation. To trust what God says and have absolute faith in His Word. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as a seven-year-old trusting his Father who says, that life jacket will hold you up. Guaranteed. This person, this work at the cross will take you to Heaven. Guaranteed. Sin's forgiven. Escape from judgment. Grabbing hold of God's grace and knowing for sure that you'll be in Heaven. It's a wonderful thing. God wants it for you and we want it for you. And I hope you'll be saved tonight. Let's just close in a word of prayer.